Saturday, January the 23rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Joe Biden speeds up coronavirus aid, and Donald Trump faces trial. First, the week in brief. President Joe Biden signed executive orders increasing food aid, accelerating the delivery of stimulus checks to families, and boosting rights for federal workers. His $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief plan still faces opposition in Congress. Meanwhile, the Senate confirmed General Lloyd Austin as Defense Secretary, and the Senate Finance Committee approved Janet Yellen as Treasury Secretary, paving the way for her confirmation. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, announced that Donald Trump's impeachment trial will begin on February 8th. On Monday, the House of Representatives will deliver the charge, accusing Mr. Trump of inciting an insurrection in Washington, D.C. on January 6th to the Senate. It will be the first impeachment trial to take place after a president has left office. China began mass testing for COVID-19 in parts of Beijing as the country tackles its worst outbreak of the virus since March. In Hong Kong, a densely populated neighbourhood in Kowloon was placed into full lockdown, the first time the measure has been used in the city. Meanwhile, AstraZeneca said it would have to scale back delivery of its vaccine to the EU, citing production problems. The jab has yet to be approved by the bloc, but is seen as a vital part of its vaccination effort. Indian farmers rejected a government proposal to halt for 18 months controversial reforms to agriculture laws. The plans, which would open farming to more competition, sparked weeks of demonstrations on the outskirts of Delhi, the capital. The government claims the reforms will spur production, but farmers fear their incomes will fall. They want the proposal scrapped completely. The UN warned that two million people are displaced in their own countries in West Africa's Sahel region. Militants from Islamic State and Al-Qaeda have increased their influence in the semi-arid belt which borders the Sahara, fueling ethnic conflicts in Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger. The number of people fleeing conflict there has quadrupled in two years. Business activity in the Eurozone dropped for the third consecutive month according to the IHS Market Composite Purchasing Managers Index. It is the latest sign that economies may be dragged into a double-dip recession. The equivalent index for Britain dropped to its lowest level since May. COVID-19 lockdowns across Europe and increased bureaucracy between Britain and the EU dampened activity. And Pat Gelsinger, Intel's incoming chief executive, said the company will continue to make microchips. There had been reports that it might outsource some production to Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, another leading microchip maker. In November, Apple said it would drop Intel processors from its computers and make its own chips in-house. Intel's share price fell by 5.7% following Mr Gelsinger's announcement. And now, here's today's agenda. Portrait of a Massacre, Quo Vadis Aida. Quo Vadis Aida is not easy viewing. The film, written and directed by Jasmila Zbanic, follows a fictional translator for the United Nations, desperately trying to save her husband and sons during the Srebrenica massacre in July 1995. 
After more than three years of war, the besieged Bosnian enclave had fallen to Serb forces, who, under the command of Ratko Mladic, then proceeded to murder some 8,000 unarmed Bosniak, Muslim men and boys in what was later ruled to be an act of genocide. The drama, which was released online in Britain on Friday, has been tipped for an Oscar for the best foreign film by Variety, an entertainment publication. A win would mean more than fame and distribution deals. Many Serbs and conspiracy-minded foreigners actively deny what took place after the fall of Srebrenica. The film, based on the story of a real UN translator, should help protect against such attempts to rewrite history. One Nation Under a Groove – African American Music This week, the ribbon was cut at the National Museum of African American Music in Nashville, Tennessee. Located at the corner of Representative John Lewis Way, recently renamed after the civil rights activist and congressman, it is the first museum in America to celebrate black music. Music City, as Nashville is known, can seem like a shrine to white country music, with museums dedicated solely to such stars as Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. But the city was and is a hub of African-American music. Ray Charles, Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix are among the many artists with deep ties to Nashville. With over 1,500 artefacts, the museum explores the development of black music in America, from the gospel songs of African slaves to the development of jazz, the protest music of civil rights, and the emergence of modern hip-hop. It is a stirring reminder of the integral role black musicians have played in shaping America's sound. The AIDS Epidemic – It's a Sin Russell Davis, a celebrated Welsh screenwriter, has frequently chronicled LGBT life in Britain. Queer as Folk, 1999, Bob and Rose, 2001, Cucumber, 2015, and Banana, 2015, were each set in Manchester's gay scene. He has created characters including lesbian vicars, closeted barmen and middle-aged lovers, and explored themes such as homophobia, activism, dating, and family. Yet for many years, the AIDS epidemic was one subject that Mr. Davis couldn't quite look at, and journalists castigated him for not addressing it explicitly in his work. That changed this week with the premiere of It's a Sin on Channel 4 in Britain. As well as drawing on his own experience as a young gay man in the 1980s, Mr. Davis consulted experts and charities while writing the series. It captures the denial, misinformation, fear and shame that surrounded the disease and offers up a tribute to the friends who died as a result of the virus. Eggheads studying concussion in the kitchen Studying concussion is usually a high-tech affair involving motion sensors and brain scans. Now, some ingenious work in Physics of Fluids, a journal, has modelled brain trauma using ordinary kitchen equipment. Eggs may not seem much like the brain, but both are membrane-bound soft objects. Eggshell is like a skull protecting a yolk, the brain, suspended inside egg white, the cerebrospinal fluid. Most concussions do not crack the skull, so the researchers used a commercial machine to scramble ordinary supermarket eggs without breaking their shells. Surprisingly, they found that spinning the eggs distorted them more than a hard impact. The centrifugal force forced the yolks almost flat. This explains why even the most hard-boiled boxers can have a glass chin. A wallop in the right spot can whip the head around, generating huge rotational deceleration. 
The eggheads say that this finding could be used to design better helmets, striking a blow against concussion in sport. Grand Slammed, the Australian Open Of all the sporting events to stage in a pandemic, a tennis Grand Slam is one of the trickiest. Players and their backroom teams arrive from all over the world and play a tight schedule of matches with limited scope for postponements. Tennis Australia, the organisers of the first Slam of the Year, which is scheduled to begin in Melbourne on February 8th, is trying its best. It organised 15 charter flights to bring players to the city, but individuals on three of the planes tested positive on landing, requiring more than 100 people, including 72 players, to be confined to hotel room quarantine for two weeks. Four competitors have since developed the virus. Others have likened the experience to prison. When the tournament eventually begins, players will be rusty and their bodies ill-equipped for Melbourne's summer heat after two weeks of air conditioning. A healthy tournament, rather than a high-quality one, may be the best to hope for. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Salvador Dali, who died on this day in 1989. Have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.